you don't have a Bible, grab one off the back table. Whole stack of blue ones back there. We are going to finish up the book of James tonight. Hey, can we, can we turn up the house lights a little bit so everybody can see as we follow along in the Bible tonight? Does anybody know how many weeks we've been studying this book? Too long. Too long? Wow, okay. Wait, I heard some other answers. What were they? 15? Not quite, but we're close. 20? Closer, closer. We have so far, this will be our last night in the book of James, and this will be week number 13 that we've been in this book. So, 13 Wednesdays, let me throw this question out there to you. Can you tell me one thing in 13 weeks that you remember or that you learned from the book of James? <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, we're not good people. Okay. All right, be doers of the word, not only hearers. What's that? Faith without works is dead. Treat everybody the same. Treat everybody the same. That's right. Don't show partiality. Don't play favorites. Ms. Richardson. Yeah, the words that we use have the power to destroy. We cannot. Yeah, put your focus on God, not on other things. Absolutely. Guys, I want to challenge you. Go back and read this book. Because we've slowly walked through it over the last 12 weeks. And I can promise you that if you will go back and read through this book, you're going to see either something new that you missed the first time we went through it, or God's going to show you something that maybe he wants to work on in your life. Maybe it's something that you're struggling with. Maybe it's something that, that you're dealing with and you're not quite sure how to address it and God wants to show you, hey, here's the right way to take care of that. In fact, James kind of finishes talking about something like that tonight. As we finish off this chapter, James starts talking about prayer tonight. And, and prayer is something that I quite honestly think everybody in this room struggles with at some point. And, and we may struggle with it for different reasons. For, for some of you, you struggle to pray to God because every time you go to pray, it's when you're laying in bed at night and you're exhausted and you close your eyes to pray. And the next thing after you say, dear God, it's like, and you're asleep. Or, or maybe, maybe you struggle to pray to God because you feel silly because if God's supposed to be all-knowing and he knows everything you need, he knows your thoughts, he knows everything about you, then, then why do I need to say those things out loud? God already knows, right? Or maybe you just feel silly talking to somebody that you can't see. See, we all have our reasons that we struggle with prayer, and that's exactly what James, as he's walking through this tonight, what he starts to show us is that no matter what your reason is, no matter what it is that causes you to struggle with prayer, prayer is something that is vital in the life of a disciple of Jesus. It's something that's incredibly important. Because there's two things James shows us tonight. I'm going to tell you what those are. He shows us that prayer is how we connect to God. It's how we talk to God and it's how we hear from God. It's through prayer. And what James also shows us is that there is power in prayer. Power that we forget about sometimes. So we're going to walk through these last verses. It's going to be James chapter 5, starting in verse 13. But before we do that, I'm going to ask you the questions. Let's remember the book we're studying, why it was written, where it was written, all those good things. So who wrote this book? James. James. Okay, what's significant about James? He's the brother of Jesus. Okay, remember all the way back 13 weeks ago when we started this, James was a follower of Jesus. 
But not at first. There was a time in his life where he didn't even believe that Jesus was the Son of God. And yet something changed, and James became a loyal follower of Jesus to the point that he wrote this book. So we know that James wrote, brother of Jesus, when did we understand that it was written? Yeah, 40, 45 AD, somewhere around the mid-40s. Why did he write this? Yeah, the other one I did, I put the questions out of order, so I threw some of you off. That's absolutely right. Let's go back. Who did he write it to? Jewish Christians in house churches. Why did he write it? <laughs> when I throw them out of order, you're like, ah. First, Pastor Don likes to do the international sign for distress. So what y'all are doing with your eyes right there. Okay, so it's important for us to know what's happening and what's going on when we look at a book so that we understand what it was intended to say then when it was written and how that translates to us now. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word, James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. Go ahead and stand with me and let's read that. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. God, we thank you. We thank you that we can come together tonight. We thank you that we can spend time finishing out this book and, and for the time that we've had in it so far. And God, I just pray that as we, as we talk about prayer tonight, Lord, help us to understand why it's so important in our lives. Help us to see the things that you want to do simply by us coming to you. God, I just pray that you'll help us to focus on you right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's have a seat. So, prayer. Look at verse 13 again. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. James jumps right into this whole idea of prayer. He's just come off of a whole different passage talking about where your heart is focused. And he's saying, okay, now that we've talked about that, let's talk about prayer. And what James does right there in that very first verse is that he shows us that no matter what is happening in your life, whether good things are happening or whether bad things are happening, we have the opportunity to connect with God through prayer. He shows us that with those questions. Are you suffering? Are you cheerful? In both of those cases, he says, turn to God. Because what you do when you do that, whether things are going good or whether things are going bad, when you turn to God in all of those circumstances, you're acknowledging and recognizing that God is the ultimate author of your entire life. You know, it's, it's really easy for us when, when things are going well us to kind of forget about God sometimes. Because when things are going well, we can focus on what we're doing. And unfortunately, it's sometimes easy for us to get about, forget about God when things are not going so well. Because we kind of start to wallow in self-pity of, okay, God, why me? And we don't necessarily see what God's trying to show us or why God's allowing that to happen in our life. 
And what James is saying here is in both of those, you've got to turn to God. We need this reminder because prayer is not always our first response in life. When we have pain, when we have things going wrong that we don't understand, we tend to get sad or we get angry or frustrated and we start to internalize and deal with those things on our own and get mad at the world. Or when things are going well, pride starts to creep in a little bit, right? When we've had success, our mindset or our tendency, our sin nature wants to say, hey, I did that. I'm awesome. I did a great job. Come me. And we start to have that mindset, and all of a sudden, we're not focused on God anymore. And we forget that God is the one who gave us the abilities, the skills to get whatever recognition we perceive. James is saying, no matter what is happening in your life, in every single one of those circumstances, prayer, connection to God, reveals our understanding that God is in control of our lives. And that's something that we see echoed throughout Scripture. In 1 Thessalonians, further in the New Testament, chapter 5, starting at verse 16, it says this. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Let me stop there for a second. That does not mean that you should at all times have your head bowed, your eyes closed, everywhere you go, everything you're doing. Because if you're trying to drive a car, you're going to kill yourself or somebody. Okay? Pray without ceasing means constant connection and communication with God. Did you know it doesn't tell you anywhere in the Bible that you have to close your eyes to pray? It doesn't say that. We do that because our tendency is to, oh, what was happening? And start looking around. Closing our eyes gives us the opportunity to not be distracted to what else is going on around us. He says right here, pray without ceasing. And then in verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances, the good and the bad. The happy times and the sad times. Connect to God through prayer and thank God. He says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Prayer is how we connect and communicate with God. And when you continue to pray the way he's talking about here, when you make that connection with God, that's when you begin to discover that there is power in prayer. And I'm not talking like, ooh, mystical, some kind of thing. No, there's real power in prayer. Because God works through his people. It says in verse 14 of James chapter 5, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over them, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Right there, we see several different ways that there is power in prayer. The first one that James talks about is he talks about the, the physical power. He's saying, hey, if somebody's sick, here's what you're supposed to do, church. He says, early church, you're supposed to call the elders, call the leaders of the church together, have them gather around that person, and have them pray for that person who's sick, and their prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. Now, that, that, that's not necessarily how we do it all the time now. We don't say, hey, my aunt's sick. I need to call the pastor, and he needs to come pray for her. Because we have the ability to right then and there pray as disciples of Jesus. But he's using this as an illustration to show that there's power in prayer. He's saying, when you've got somebody who's hurt physically, you can pray for them. You can call people together to pray for them. And it says right there that, that, that they'll be healed. And we pray like that all the time, don't we? 
family member or a friend, you hear so-and-so's aunt has cancer, we're going to stop and we're going to pray for them. Because we believe in the physical healing power of prayer. Because if God is all-powerful, God does have the ability to take away that physical pain in an instant if he chooses to. But sometimes he doesn't choose to, does he? Sometimes that physical pain continues. Sometimes for that person with that cancer, it's terminal. But here's what you need to understand about that. That's still God healing. It's not the healing that we want. It's not the healing that we would like to see. But it is still God carrying out his will. And that person, whether they're healed physically or whether they're never alive another day, God has healed them physically. We've got to remember that in prayer, there is power. And it talks about you know, them bringing in oil and anointing. You need to understand there that, that that sometimes was done two different ways. Sometimes it was a symbolic thing, that they were putting oil on him and anointing or whoever it was that was sick. That was kind of a ritualistic thing that they would do. But there were also times where they truly believed that there were healing properties of that oil. And that they anointed somebody with that oil, that it would actually do something for their physical ailment. We need to understand that there is physical healing power in prayer, but there's also spiritual healing in prayer. Because when we look at this, he says right there in that verse, he says in the prayer of faith, in verse 15, save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. When it comes to prayer, there's power there for spiritual healing. And that's healing that every single person needs. Every one of us needs what that kind of power is. Because the matter of the fact is, fact of the matter, we are all sinners. Every single one of us. And, and you may be sitting here thinking, no, I'm not a sinner. Yes, you are. Because we all are. Because scripture tells us that every single person ever was born with a sin nature. And that sin nature separates us from God. God, you, me, everybody else, the way we're born, they, they don't go together. And yet God loves us so much and wanted a relationship, wants a relationship with his creation that he sent his son to pay the penalty. Scripture tells us the penalty for our sin is death. It's a physical death, but it's also an eternal separation from God. God created us to be in relationship with him. So he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty that we owe for our sin. And three days later, he rose from the tomb and he beat death and he beat sin. And when we come to the point that we understand, God, I can't get to you on my own. I need you to work on my behalf. I can't be good enough. I can't fix my own sin. As good as I try to be, tomorrow I'm going to mess it all up again. We can't work our way to God. It's only God coming to us. And when Jesus did that, Jesus paid the penalty that was owed for our sin. And in that moment, you come to the end of yourself and say, God, I need you for the rest of my life. Scripture says you are saved. And in that instant, spiritual healing. Because you're forgiven of your sin. Scripture tells us you're made alive in Christ. You are forgiven once and for all. And that comes through simply praying to God. And telling him. That you want to follow him. There's spiritual power, spiritual healing in prayer. But you also need to notice there, there's relational healing. Verse 
verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. When, when you talk to God, there's power to heal the relationships you have in your life. He talks about confessing your sins to one another. Now, let's be honest. That's not something we're real comfortable with, is it? You're probably not going to walk up to somebody across the room tonight and go, hey, guess how bad I messed up today? Let me tell you what I did that was stupid and what I did that offended God. We, we don't tend to do that. But what this is showing us here is that, that while other people don't give us the same forgiveness that God does, because only God can offer us the forgiveness, the saving forgiveness that he does, we can't receive forgiveness from other people. And that means sometimes when we've done something against them, when we've wronged them that they may not even know about, we have the opportunity to make that relationship right. We have the opportunity to go to them and to confess, hey, I was wrong. And I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have acted this way. I shouldn't have treated you this way. We have the opportunity to do that and see broken relationships restored. Broken relationships healed. Guys, there, there, there's people in this room tonight that I, I've been here four and a half years now, almost five. Been here long enough that I've seen some of you guys in this room where relationships just crumbled. They were strong. And over time, I've watched those relationships come back together. When we spend time on our knees before God, when we talk to each other, when we ask each other forgiveness, when we confess those things to each other, we have the opportunity to see relationships restored. And it comes through the power of prayer that James is talking about here. And he also talks about how we have the ability to encourage each other, to hold each other accountable, to pray for each other. That's what James is talking about. There's power in prayer. And he gives us an example in the next couple of verses, which I love the way James does this. In verse 17, he says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. He, he's pointing out this guy from Elijah. If you don't know who that is, this is an Old Testament prophet. And if you go back and read the account, it's in 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18. Elijah was this, was this prophet, and God used Elijah to tell this king, hey, there's going to be a drought on the land. You're not going to have rain, which means you're not going to have crops. Your livestock's going to not be able to flourish. You're going to just be in trouble, and it's going to last for about three years. And then at the end of that time, God says, Elijah, pray for rain. Elijah does, and it rains. There's, there's power in prayer. Now, we don't always see it work like that, but God can still do that to this day. And, and I love the way that he starts this here. He says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, which means he was a sinner just like you and me. And yet God worked in such a mighty way through him. And you need to understand this. It's not because Elijah was a great man. Elijah was a mess. But he was a mess that got on his knees before God. And God worked through his prayers to do what only God could do. Elijah wasn't awesome. God was. And look at the way he finishes this out in the last two verses. And this, this one kind of threw me a little bit because it looks like these two verses, much like last week, don't really have a whole lot to do with the other two or the other verses, but they really do. Look at verse 19. 
My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This, this really does go with the other verses because James is reminding us here that if you say you're a disciple of Jesus, if you say you've been forgiven, you put your faith and your trust in him, you have a responsibility to look out for the other believers that you don't know. To watch out for them. He refers to the people wandering from the truth. If, if you've been a disciple of Jesus for any amount of time, if you've been around other Christians for any amount of time, you've seen what he's talking about. You've seen someone who says, yes, I put my faith and trust in Jesus. I'm going to follow him with the rest of my life. And then it's not very long that their life was absolutely nothing like what Scripture tells us it should have been following Jesus. Scripture tells us that's somebody who's wandering away from the truth. That's what James talked about earlier in the book, being hearers and doers of the word. You hear the thing to do to honor God. You know the thing to honor, honor God, but you choose to do something completely opposite. James is saying that we have a responsibility as Christians, as believers, to look out for one another. To hold each other accountable to the life that God has called you as a disciple, to the life that God has called them as a disciple of Jesus to live out. And that's quite often a life that looks very different than everybody else you're around. You're supposed to look out for each other. Pray for each other. Guys, prayer is something that is vital in the life of a disciple of Jesus. And, and I know you may be in here tonight and, and you may struggle with prayer, but you need to remember, this is how you connect to God. This is how you share your heart with God. And more importantly, this is how you hear God's heart. It's when you spend time before God, talking and listening to Him, it's crucial because there is power in your prayers. This is why those cards are on your seat every single week. Because if we're honest for just a minute, if we're honest, we all walk in here with some kind of junk tonight. Every single person in this room. And quite often when we come to church and everybody says, hey, how you doing? I'm good. I'm fine. And nobody knows what you're really dealing with. Now, I'm not saying you guys are spreading your life story to everybody, but this is an opportunity that if something's happened in your life, we want to pray for you because there's power in it. And I want to encourage you tonight. We're going to get up in a minute. We're going to sing another song. I want to encourage you tonight. If there's something that you need to talk to God about, good or bad, don't stand up and sing right now. Take a moment and talk to God. If you want somebody else to pray for you, write it down on that card, drop it in this basket, and just let me let you know, you don't have to wait until the end when everybody's moving around so nobody sees you drop it in the basket because guess what? We're all messed up. And we can all use a little more prayer. This is an opportunity for you to connect to God. And an opportunity for you to see the power that prayer don't miss that opportunity. Don't miss that moment. Let me pray for us. God, we do thank you. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And God, I pray right now that as, as we stand and we sing, God, I pray. I pray that 
pray every one of us in this room, God, will just take a moment to connect with you, God. To bring those cares, those concerns, those, those things that we're celebrating, God. Help us to do what this song is about, to say we're going to do, God. Help us to enter into your throne room. Help us to feel your power. Help us to love.